Since I announced that I would be stepping down uh, a couple weeks ago, I've gotten one question a lot, understandably so, and that is, what's next? Doug, what are you going to do now that this is over? That's a fair question. Um, I need you to know I have no plans. I know I said that already, but I have, I've never left a job that I knew what was next. Not the most sound business strategy, but um, it's just kind of been the way it has always been, and this one... Um, is no different. You just kind of know when it's time to go. I will tell you this, though. One thing that I'll be focusing a lot more on uh, in the near future is laundry, um, things of that nature. Um, But laundry, Casey hates to do laundry, and she's not good enough at folding my clothes, so she doesn't get to do it. So that's maybe my fault, but, you know, I'm a little picky. But, but I'm the laundry guy at our house, except for Leah. She does do her own laundry, uh, which is nice. I find laundry to be, to be oddly soothing. There is a thing that is unusable because it is dirty. I wash it. It is now usable. It is clean. Now it, it, was, it is wadded up, and now it is nicely folded and put where it belongs. Um, well, I don't like putting it where it belongs. I like to fold it and then set it in the floor. I don't know why. I have this aversion to actually putting the laundry in the drawer. Like, I'll put my laundry up. That's fine because it's mine. But, like, the kids' laundry, I don't put Casey. I make her do it. Like, I just set it there. Like, I did all this. The least you can do, right, is to put it in the drawer. Um, but I don't, I don't love uh, that. But, you know, I do. Laundry. And when we read the psalm that we're going to read today, Psalm 51, the first thing that came to my mind and the thing that I kept thinking about while I read it was Laundry. So if you have your Bible, open it to Psalm 51. And if you're at home and you have something you can open up, uh, if you have your Bible at home, or if you want to follow through with the listening guide, you can find that at vcbc.org. You can pull your phone out right now and pull it up if that's something you want to do. Um, It's under the media section, uh, and that's where you'll find um, the listening guide. So let's read Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I will teach my transgressions, transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. 
In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. You could preach probably 5,000 sermons from this psalm. So we're going to take kind of a, a top-down view. We're going to look at the big picture here. The first thing you got to know is, is if you go back and read the very top, right, before you even get to the verses, it says, For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So you need the backstory on this one. And if you don't know the backstory, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version, the real brief but very important backstory to this psalm. David's men go out to war, and as kings should do, David did not. David was supposed to go with them. David does not go with them. He stays home. He goes to his roof to think or do something. He sees Bathsheba taking a bath. He decides that he needs Bathsheba. He sends his men. Bathsheba come. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. David's like, oh no, got to cover it up. Let's bring her husband back. Maybe we can solve this problem. But no, 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 no. He's not having any of that. He's going to stay with David. Can't cover it up. Oh no, what do we do? Send him out to battle. Send him to the front lines. And when the fighting gets fierce, he tells his men to pull back from him so that he dies. That's tough. And David seems to have gotten along with it just fine. Oh no. Darn, too bad all that happened. Until... Nathan shows up. Nathan tells him a story, and he's like, hey, can you imagine? And, and he tells him a story about somebody being treated unjustly, and, and David's like, that's awful. That person should die. And he goes, oh, we're talking about you, big boy. David realizes the weight and the gravity of what he's done. Then that leads him to write this psalm. And so that's where we are as we look at this. And so the first thing when I look at this in the very first few verses we want to look at is this. The, the first thing I know, the first thing I want to draw from this for us is the importance of knowing and acknowledging your sin. Knowing and acknowledging your sin. Let's look back at verses 1 through 6. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge, surely I was sinful at my birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the innermost parts. Teach me uh, wisdom in the inmost place. So I'm going to ask you this question. How do you know when it's time to do your laundry? How do you know when it's time to do your laundry? Maybe, maybe you have a schedule. Not everything is on a schedule, but I do towels on Friday. I try to do all my laundry on Friday. But towels on Friday, it's like, it's like clockwork. I wake up, I collect all the towels, towels get done. On Friday, it is what I do. Maybe you're one of those laundry basket. You've, you've, you've pushed all the clothes down as hard as you can push, yet they are still overflowing onto the floor. And you're like, oh, I guess I should probably do laundry now. Right? There's those people. Um, 
There are those who your favorite article of clothing, all those shorts that I love to wear so much, they're not here. Oh, no, they're dirty. I have to wash clothes. Maybe, let's see, I don't know if I see anybody in here in this service. We had a couple last service. Maybe you're the person who's like, oh, no, there's my dirty clothes. Eh, maybe, maybe, but maybe you're out. Maybe you've gone through all of them and there's not even something that doesn't smell so bad. You're like, oh, it all smells too bad. I have to wash clothes now. Or this is my least favorite, and this has happened to me a few times when I'm like, oh, no, I need to do laundry, is when it's time to leave the house and your kid goes, hey, where's my jersey? (laughs) Oh, oh, I've sent a kid to some baseball games in some wrinkled shirts. Let's just say that. Um, And so so whatever we do, right, there's a way, there's a method where you know there's this dirty thing that needs to be cleaned up and i got to fix it now. There's, there's always a method to the madness. But the question is this, how do we know our sin? How do we know when we are dirty and in need of cleansing? Now, I'm going to give you some ways that we know this. Now, I need you to know that, that through all of these is the working of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit works in all of these ways in more ways than I'm even going to share with you to show you your sin. But I have a few I want to highlight before we get started. So don't, if I don't mention that the fact that the Holy Spirit is working on that, know that He is moving and grooving through all of these ways. And the first one is this. We know it in our gut. We know it in our gut. We see that thing we shouldn't have done that we did, and it makes our stomach hurt or we see that person we don't like, or we see that person that that we wronged, and we're like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this. Your stomach hurts. You maybe get some anxiety. Maybe you feel a little guilt. You feel a little shame. You start to hide things. Your behaviors start to change. You just know you did something wrong, right? That's an easy one. You're like, oh, I probably, eventually you can come around. Yes, I see. I've done this wrong. That's not good. The first thing is you just know, right? It's in your gut. Holy Spirit's moving and working. Second thing I would say is this. You know through education. Well, that doesn't make much sense, Doug. Just follow me here. Reading, learning, growing, and praying. Reading, learning, growing, and praying. When you read your Bible, the Holy Spirit will expose your sins. When you're reading that Bible study, the Holy Spirit can expose your sins. When you're praying, and not just those prayers where you're asking for stuff, right? Not just, please be with this person and this person and this person, and I got this problem and I got this. The kind where you're actually praying and talking to God, and then maybe you're spending a few minutes, I know it's real hard, not saying anything and listening. Those are the moments. Those are the moments where things start to happen. God starts to work, and then He starts to expose things about you in your life. And so as we do these things, we start to see our sin. Do you want to know why sometimes it's really hard to pick up your Bible and read it? It's because somewhere way down in here, you know, oh, if I pick that up and read too much, I'm going to start to think, find things out about myself that I don't like. I'm going to start to discover things about me that I probably shouldn't be doing or that I have done. Or if I pray too long, I might figure some of this out and that would be bad. You don't do it consciously, but subconsciously, that's probably one of the reasons it can be real hard to pick up the Scripture and read. And the last one is this, that we're going to touch on anyway, is that somebody else points it out to you, a la what Nathan has done here. Let me tell you what, the only thing worse than discovering something bad about yourself is having someone else discover it for you. 
There's nothing worse than somebody else pointing out a flaw, a failure, a mess up. Um, she's in here this service, so I'm just going to be real blunt with you. My daughter's right here. She's got this class she's been working on. She's supposed to get so much of it done. She told me she's got this, like, she's set up, I'm going to get this chapter done by this day. Cool. Awesome. Way more, you know, thoughtful and get stuff done than I was at that age. But then, like, we're kind of helping her keep up. Like, hey, weren't you supposed to get that chapter done the other day? Like, weren't you, hey, aren't you supposed to get that chapter done? Like, weren't you, weren't you supposed to clean your room? Wasn't it supposed to be clean already? And then she started to say this thing. It's like a, it's like a new thing in our house we make fun of. Well, I was going to do it, but now that you're telling me to do it, I don't want to do it. I channeled it a little bit. I couldn't do it last service, but I found the, I found the energy for this one. It's like, oh, now you don't want it. You've been told what to do. Now you don't want to do it. It's like, oh, 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 oh. You, know, it's, you know, nobody likes to have stuff pointed out. Like, uh, hmm. But that's us. When we do something wrong and somebody else points it out to us, oh, it crawls me inside. Oh, it makes me so mad. But that's, that's our flaws, right? We, we despise it, but we need people in our life, right? Like Nathan that will look at you and go, nah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have done that, bud. That's probably a bad idea. Or you debate a topic. This happened to me two nights ago. Somebody said something. I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal about that? They made a couple of points, and I went, no, I agree with you. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. To have the wrong view, the wrong opinion. To say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing. Like, but if somebody corrects you, it's, it's okay to, oh, well, maybe. You know, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, so you've acknowledged your sin, right? You, you, you've, you've identified your sin. Now what? The hard thing now is to acknowledge your sin. We know we did something wrong, right? So what do we do? We acknowledge it. How do we acknowledge it? The first thing you got to do is repent before the Lord. Spoiler alert, that's the easy step, right? God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it, right? I repent, I'm so sorry. But what are other ways we can acknowledge our sin? What are other ways we can acknowledge our sin? We can tell someone else, have somebody in your life like an accountability partner, or somebody that you're close to, friends, family, life group, and you look at them and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, hey, I did this, I don't feel great about it, but, you know, I did it, and I'm sorry. Or if you've wronged someone talking to that person about how you've wronged them. Even harder, right? Um, other ways to acknowledge your sin. Write, journal, or create. Not a journaler. That's not my thing, but I know people who are. I need you to focus on this for a second because I think this is lost a little bit. We went through what David did, right? Not good. Right. Needless to say, we're going to go through it a little more in depth in a minute, what David did, but not good. What? How does David acknowledge that? He wrote a song about it. We read it, right? To the director of music. Here's a jam I wrote about all the bad things I did, right? Like, David dances, David sings, David plays. These are all ways with which we can use to acknowledge our faults, and our failings. But why? Doug, why is that important? And I know I've said this before, and I will, I will continue to say it. Putting things like that out there, getting it off of our chest for everyone else, allows us, it, it, putting it out there keeps the secret from eating us alive. 
First things first. It keeps the secret from eating us inside, right? By acknowledging, getting it off our chest, it puts it out there. And the last thing that it does is that it removes its control over our life. When you say something out loud, when you own something, it completely removes that secret, hidden thing that lives inside of you. The, um, the biggest amen, now listen, I know we're at a Baptist church, so that's low bar, right? But the biggest amen preach brother that I ever got was at a rehab facility in Alabama. Now, never been to rehab for drugs or alcohol or substance abuse or anything like that, but we're there. We're doing some mission work. Um, we were helping. It was after the hurricane, and we were this little place called Dolphin Island, and I don't even know how we got hooked up with the rehab center, but we go to the rehab center, and I'm like, I have no idea what to say to these people. I don't know what message I can give that's going to help. So the only thing I knew how to do was to relate with something in my life that I had struggled with. And I've been pretty blunt about it even on stage before. Um, you know, this was not long after I'd been out of college and through college, I really struggled um, with pornography. And so I'm on stage and I'm telling these guys and I'm like, hey, you know, here's what I do know. I don't know a lot, but I do know this. When I hid this thing inside of me, when I didn't refuse to tell anyone and, and kept it secret, I'd go to sleep at night and I felt awful. I couldn't rest. I found, it, it was just always eating at me. But the minute that I let it go, laid it out there for everyone and, and didn't care, right, used it to help others, was the minute that I could sleep sound at night. And those dudes were like, amen, yep, come on, brother, come on, bring it. Because those were dudes who were at rehab who were doing that thing for what they were going through, and it allowed them the freedom to feel that way. And I, I'm not, I, I was like, oh, it's, it's the same but different, right? It's the same but different. And so this, when we do these things, when we acknowledge our sin, when we come up front with it, when it's not something that we have to hide, it loses its power over us. And so the first thing I notice here is David is just like, God, look to you. Against you have I sinned. Against you have I sinned. I have transgressed. I was sinful from the moment I was born. That's where he's just laying out, God, I am, I am not good. I am not good. So the first thing is this. We have to know and acknowledge our sin. The second thing I would say is this, is that God cleanses and renews us. God cleanses and renews us. Does anybody know how to get blood stains out of clothes? No, I'm, I'm asking. Who said something? Peroxide. That was the answer first service too. Um, I didn't know the answer, so I, really, I was really curious. Stains drive me crazy. It could be a tiny stain on the corner of this shirt that nobody would ever notice, but if I know it's there, I'll never wear the shirt again. It's just me. It's a, it's, a, it's a character flaw, right? It could be right here that literally nobody would see. I would, I would never see it. But if I know it's there, it will drive me bonkers. Um, and so stains are so annoying. Now, here's what I believe. I'm going to read this verbatim the way I wrote it because I want you to understand how I feel about stains. I believe that you have to be a great-grandmother who has known the wisest people, traveled the world to discover its secrets, and have every YouTube video ever pulled up to know how to get stains out. And that's not counting the amount of tonic water, 
herbs and spices that are required, I believe you would need an entire apothecary. And that's to get stains out. Because I've been places in some, like, how do you get blood out? Peroxide. How do you get this out? I don't know. Lemon juice. How do you get this out? I don't know. Use a shout wipe. I don't. Everybody, for one stain, my grandmother may say this. My nanny may say this. My meemaw may say this. The Amish do it this way. I don't know. Everybody's got some way they get different things out. And it's like, I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Who's, who knows all these things? I mean, people, like, grandma, they're wizards. I'm like, how did you know that that's what you do? Like, if it doesn't, like, shout wipe or like a stain stick or something, if that doesn't work, I'm in trouble. And so, you know, unfortunately, the bad news is I'm the go-to stain getter-outer. Getter-outer, I believe that's the proper phraseology. Getter-outer in our house. Now, Leah has got this new method of getting stains out where she just tie-dyes whatever that article of clothing was. I didn't know it was 1974, but apparently it's a thing. Like, there's, like, blue stuff all in the sink, but whatever. Like, I'll go in the, why is there one shirt? Oh, Leah ruined something, so she tie-dyed it. Um, in fact, the other day, I ruined a pair of shorts, one of my favorite pair of shorts. Um, I got a little stain on it, so I sprayed a bunch of shout on it. I let it sit, which apparently you're not supposed to. I do it all the time. It's fine. Sprayed a bunch of shout on it, let it sit. Next day, throw it in. Next day, it looks like I bleached, like, half the shorts. It was bad, and I was very sad. So I, I'm so bad at getting stains out that I stained it worse getting the stain out, which is quite um, quite a feat, I think. I feel like I, that's, I've accomplished something. Um, but here it is. It's no wonder, it's no wonder that David, when David thinks of sin here, he talks about stains and cleaning. It's no wonder that he talks about cleansing when we talk about sin. Because sin is a stain. Let's relook at 51, um, 7 through 12. It says this. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I need you to listen real quick. I need you to listen. I'm going to, in common language, I'm going to say these are the things that David did building up to this moment of writing this psalm. So this is David's laundry list of sins going into this moment. Just in this little stretch. Neglect of duty. Peeping Tom. Adultery. Manipulation. Contracting, contracting a murder. Misuse of office. Lying and just in general, being a real bad dude. That's kind of where David is, right? In this moment. Um, and, and nothing too far, like nothing, you know, is so far gone. Like nobody in this room is so far gone. I don't, let me see. Anybody at home? I'm not, I don't think any of you can top this list. I haven't known some of you that long, but I doubt any of you can top this list. Maybe all of us together, both services and at home and South Wilson, can't top this list, right? This is, this is pretty rough. Yet David knows he can be renewed and he can be cleansed by God who loves him. There's no, there's no, he knows he's sinful from birth. Even that doesn't stop the God who loves him from being able 
to cleanse him. And only God can cleanse. Look at the word. Only God can cleanse us. Look at the language David uses. In verse 7, he says, cleanse me. Now, now I'm not a Greek and Hebrew guy, but um, looking this up, the, the cleanse me here literally can translate into unsend me. Like, take my sin away. Unsend me. Cleanse me, and I will be clean. Wash me and make me whiter than snow. Now, I, I sat and thought about this one for a long time, because, and I don't know the answer to it. I, I couldn't find hard evidence. But I have the difference between white and whiter than snow. There's a difference. Like, I got some socks that are white, right? This used to happen to me in high school all the time. You know, it's school, it's school time. You get some new tennis shoes. It's like new shoe day. Cool, got my new shoes. Maybe they're white. They're super cool. And I got my white socks on, but they're not new white socks. They're the white socks I've had for the last two years. And then I realized that my white socks are more like yellow socks. I didn't notice them with my old shoes because my old shoes were dingy too. That was fine, but you get your new shoes, you're like, oh man, now I need new socks. Because white and whiter than snow, super white, crisp white, that's totally different. And I have to think, because I can bleach stuff at home. I got bleach, and bleach feels like it's a very powerful thing. I don't know. It does, you know. And there's some stuff at home that I can bleach and take it out and be like, still dingy, right? And so for David to be like, make me as white. So I have to think that that is almost an impossibility in his day and age. Because the minute something gets kind of dirty, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe they had some of those grandmothers that had traveled the world and knew how to get every stain out. But I would have to think that, it's, that, that white got real dirty real fast back then. And if we were to say, make me as white as snow. Is a powerful thought. Is a powerful thought. Verse 9, he says, blot out all my iniquities. I don't always do the thing like what are synonyms of this word, but I need you to hear the synonyms for blot out when he's talking about blot out. You just pull up the dictionary and say, what are synonyms for blot out? Here are some of the, my favorites. Annihilate, cancel, clean up, eradicate, expunge, exterminate, liquidate, obliterate, a lot of eights obliterate, wipe out. He says, please, God, just take what I have done this bad and not make me forget it, not, not put it way over there, explode it. Make it go away. Make it gone. That's his thought. He's like, this is dirty and this is stained and I need you to make it go away because I am not clean. Only God can clean us. Only God can fix us. Only God can wash us. Only God can undo. And then he says, God, renew me. And I like this. It's a subtle change in the next verse, it's, or in the next little section. Create in me. No longer is it clean me. No longer is it fix me up. It's create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Renew, make new a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. He says, restore to me the joy. Please bring these things back that were lost because of this. So the second thing we need to know is no matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, God is here and God cleanses and renews us. The last point I would say as we kind of top down look at all this, again, you could preach a thousand sermons from this. The last thing I would say is this, is that restoration leads to declaration. 
Restoration leads to declaration. Leah recently got a stain in her student council shirt. Now, she needs that shirt for student council, therefore can't be tie-dyed, right? So now we have a problem. What are we going to do? Mom, I have a stain in my shirt. What does mom say? Give it to your dad because I'm the stain guy, right? So I'm like, okay. So I do what I do, a little shout, wash it. Guess what? Still a stain. Little shout, wash it. Guess what? Almost not as almost gone. Pretty gone. Enough to wear. For her, probably not me. Probably still wouldn't have worn it. But good. Leah goes to Casey. She says, I need a stain removed. Casey goes, I'm not the person who rem- I don't know about the removal of stains. You have to go speak to your father. Because that's what he does. Because when she gets stains in her clothes, guess who she goes to? Me. Can you please get the stains out of these? It's always white shorts. I have these white. Can you please? Like, why? Why? Can't you? Anyway. So that's what happens. Casey knows that the answer um, is that she has to go to me because I've gotten stains out before. And here's the truth. When we've experienced the cleaning, healing, and life-changing power that comes from God's forgiveness and grace, then we can point others to Him. When we have experienced the goodness, when we have experienced the transformation, when we have experienced the renewal and the cleansing and the changing of our heart, then we can point other people to the right place. Before we get any more into this, I need you to know the order of this psalm matters. I don't think this was like an accident. Step one, very beginning, acknowledging sin and asking for forgiveness. After that, cleansing and renewal, and only then is there teaching people, your transgressors, about your way. Let's read it. Let's read this last part, uh, Psalm 51, 13 to the end. It says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing out your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifices or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper and build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you, and bulls will be offered on your altar. He says, I will teach transgressors your ways. My lips will declare your praise. These are the things that that are said by a person who has experienced the goodness of God. These are the things that are said by a person that has experienced the goodness of God. And the problem is is that oftentimes we try to skip steps in this. The problem is that oftentimes we try to skip steps in this. We get to step one where we don't feel good about ourselves because we've done something wrong, but instead of acknowledging it or working through it or asking God to forgive us and then experiencing that cleansing goodness, we go, I will do something good to make up for that. Right? I will do something good to make up for that. I did a bad thing. I'll do a good thing. People will see it. I'll feel better about myself, and I can go about my business. It's a natural reaction to feeling bad about yourself. And then there's this verse. There's this verse in here that when you read it, it's like, boom. 
because it's towards the end. It kind of sticks out a little bit. It's kind of like, oh, and then I will tell everybody about your ways. Then he says something real strange. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice. This is 16. Or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now, these verses are weird because... In, you know, in the earlier books, in the Old Testament, it's like, hey, when you do this, you should do a burnt offering. Hey, you should do an incense offering. You know, these are good things you should do for the Lord. And so when David says, I, these things you don't delight in, you don't delight in sacrifice, you don't delight, like that, that's contradictory. No, because of this verse, he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. He says, if you are not right here, you can do whatever you want and it won't matter. You can do all the good deeds the whole planet needs. You can solve world hunger. But if you're not doing it with a contrite and broken spirit, it doesn't matter to God. It's not an offering to God. That's what makes the difference. Where this is when you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't acknowledge that sin... Right and get it out there and then get that cleansing and that forgiveness, you're not going to get to the part where you can go tell people in a right, proper spirit about the God who loves them, whose son died on the cross for them and rose again. Like You're not going to be able to properly tell people about that if you haven't lived through the process of forgiveness and renewal. You can't skip steps. You can't do enough good to outweigh your sins, it doesn't work that way. And we're reminded in Ephesians, I'll read it, you won't see it. Chapter 2 says in verse 8, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So as we kind of come to an end here, I, I'm going to say this, I hate to be the guy who says it this way, but if you aren't declaring how great God is, and teaching the transgressors his ways, you might need to reconsider where you are on steps one and two of this process. What sin do you have to let go of? Have you asked God to cleanse, renew, and transform you? Or are you just doing good things without a broken spirit and a contrite heart? Or you might could say it like this, is it time to do your laundry? Have you come to the conclusion that there are stains you aren't just going to be able to get rid of and you need to find someone who can help you. And are you going to share the good news of the stain remover with those who need to know? Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you now and thank you for the fact that you love us, for the fact that you forgive our plethora of sins. God, for the fact that you blot out our transgressions. God, for the fact that you take them and obliterate our sin. God, because there's nothing that we could do about it if you didn't. Lord God, we just, we just pray, God, that you will continue to illuminate our hearts. God, you will continue to show us our faults, to show us our errors. God, so that we will be pointed towards you. And God, then when we have that renewal in our life, God, that we will share that truth with others. Lord, lead us now during this time. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.